People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Welcome to True Crime Garage, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I am your host, the captain, and with me as always, well, forget about the guy that's with me as always, he's locked in my basement. It's good to be seen, it's good to see you, thanks for listening, thanks for telling a friend. And this week we're drinking Guinness. A smooth, dark stout that's creamy in texture and an afterbite that's both bitter and sweet. It's malty, chocolatey, and it has a subtle punch of coffee. This classic brew originates from Dublin, Ireland, although I'm told by the Irish that Guinness only lives up to its reputation on Irish soil. Regardless, my dad calls it an adult milkshake, and I give Guinness four and a half out of five bottle caps. To everybody that filled up the fridge this week, cheers, and to my Irish mates, I say luncha. Yes, 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 B-double-E-double-R-U-N, beer run. A big shout to Lisa in Pottstown, PA. A big We Like Your Jib to Kelly in Roseville, California, and Jen Lynn in Ravina, Ohio. And a big shout out over the pond to Ray in Cheshire, England. Check out the store this week for our new Halloween t-shirt and Halloween hoodie. And look for the Halloween posters coming to you soon. And that is enough of the business. Grab a chair, grab a beer, and let's talk some true crime. cryptocurrency with no central authority, unlike with traditional government-issued currencies. It was introduced in 2009, and there are many mysteries surrounding the founder of the technology. However, it seems to follow the ideas presented in a white paper by Santoshi Nakamoto. Bitcoin is not supported by any banks or government bodies. It utilizes cryptography to maintain its security. There are no physical coins or notes. Rather, balances are reserved on a public ledger with encrypted records. All transactions are verified by using a mass computer-generated process known as mining. Although major and developed countries, including U.S., U.K., and Canada, allow its use, official international laws regarding Bitcoin are lacking, and it's not considered legal tender in any country. 
with the recent exception of El Salvador. Join me and Justin from Generation Y as we look into the mysterious death of cryptocurrency millionaire Gerald Cotton. This is True Crime Garage. How are you doing tonight, Captain? I'm doing well. How are you? Well, I'm doing okay, but it's a Red Bull and Ritalin type of day. I'm struggling <laughs> a little. <laughs> Old R and R. Yes. Well, this individual that we're going to talk about, he probably took some Ritalin. I'm sure he did. Tonight's case is an interesting one. Would you call it a mysterious death? <laughs> yes, uh, uh, or maybe an unexplained death. We're talking about the unexplained death of Gerald Cotton, who otherwise goes by uh, Gary. And he was running one of the, or the largest crypto exchange in Canada. When somebody like that passes away, it's not that big of a deal, but... He was very young at the time, so that's where some questions come in, among others. Yes. He ran a crypto exchange called Quadriga CX. Sounds like something from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. And for anyone that doesn't know what that is, I would say think of a stock exchange, You know, any kind of exchange where you can buy and sell some type of good, uh, but because it's crypto, people kind of, their brain shuts off and they don't quite understand what cryptocurrencies are. I think of them as stocks, but you could actually use them to buy things too. But do you have a better explanation, Captain? Well, his his business was a little different than most because it seemed like I could go onto their website and take $100, American dollars, and buy $100 worth of crypto. But it was not actually crypto in this case for his company. I could be getting this wrong, but it seems to me like it was a, a IOU for crypto. And, and that's not exactly out of the ordinary. A lot of crypto exchanges might not be able to fill your order immediately. Right. So they will have these little tags of IOUs, whatever you want to call them, and fulfill them over the next few days because they might not be able to do it immediately yeah but what's interesting about his model was that their company charged you to make the uh, transaction so once you bought the hundred dollars and whoever sold you the hundred dollars both had to pay a fee so it wasn't just like some scam business the the company was making millions just upon transactions and he had a pretty normal life growing up and he would end up going to school for business administration at uh, York University School of Business. His parents were antique dealers. He was just a very normal, nerdy guy before he started dabbling in cryptocurrencies. Right. He had a few business ventures before Quadriga, which we'll talk about later. Quadriga was, as I said... It was a crypto exchange, but in order to become the largest crypto exchange in Canada, you have to legitimize yourself. You have to look like you are the real deal. And he created this from the ground up with his business partner, Michael Patron. They established a board of directors. They had a small office at one point. There's another way to make yourself look legit, and that's by creating fake user accounts <laughs> to show that people are using your service. And I know some podcasters will purchase you know, reviews or uh, followers for themselves to make themselves appear a little bit more legitimized. And I personally don't care if somebody does that, but when it comes to a exchange it might be a little disingenuous well it goes back to a couple of things and one if you want to know what which podcast we're talking about we're going to reveal those in a second <laughs> no we're not going to do that no. but if you go to itunes and you see somebody's reviews that say this podcast is 
Nice. And then the next one is, nice podcast. This podcast is neat. Like, chances are those are fake reviews that the podcast bought. Also, we see it all the time where people buy followers on Instagram, Facebook, or, or whatever. Now, this practice that they're using is similar to what dating websites would use. So they would get these fake accounts, 10 attractive females, 10 attractive males, and they would have these fake accounts going all the time. So it seemed like there was a bunch of people using their site. Like Justin says, maybe that's okay. And maybe you don't frown upon on that too much on a dating site, especially if it's free, but on a cryptocurrency website where they're charging you per transaction to me, that seems a little shady up front. I, I agree, uh, because if you are legit, then you know maybe you can go out on Yelp or Google reviews and give yourself some good reviews. But some of these fake accounts were like R two D two or Mickey Mouse. I mean, it was blatant <laughs> that they weren't real. <laughs> that's a, that's a True Crime Garage's number one fan, R two D two. He's partnered up with this Michael guy. And things are going pretty well. When they first started out, they were actually a like over-the-counter exchange, kind of like an ATM where you sh- where you could like put your money in, own some Bitcoin or whatever cryptocurrency, and then you could withdraw money. But that didn't really take off. So they took this whole thing online, which is the normal thing to do with cryptocurrencies. That all happened. They established the company in 2013. And by 2014, it was reported that they were doing like $7.9 million in exchanges a day. And by 2017, they were doing over a billion dollars in transfers and exchanges a day. Wow. And like I said, they are charging, they are charging their users for every transaction. And it might be just fractions of pennies, but still, that adds up. If I didn't mention it, Captain, he's running this entire thing from his MacBook Pro. (laughs) When you hear this, it seems so made up. And when you start thinking of the idea of like a Ponzi scheme or something like that, to me, a company that is doing transactions, like you said, billions of dollars, I'm expecting them to have a campus somewhere multiple buildings, tons of employees. Once you find out that Gary is running the whole operation on his MacBook, is it was it even a MacBook Pro? I've read it both ways. I don't think it really matters though. <laughs> hey, no, that to me, it's like I give him a little more kudos if it's just a MacBook. He, he, I mean, he went could the you cheap route. Could you imagine if your laptop broke and you had to go to the genius bar and deal with one of those guys to try yeah. to get your billion dollar company back up and running? <laughs> yeah, and can you could you try to fix this before lunch because we're losing billions. Well, obviously business is good. Uh his business partner Michael, he's uh got a love for expensive cars and a lot of luxurious things in life. And at this time, you know, from 2014 to 2017, crypto is booming. The prices are going up. Bitcoin has gone from, you know, just thousands of dollars up to $10,000 for one coin. Right. But (laughs) in 2017, things start to take a hit. Crypto's value is tanking. So business investors would do, they start to try to withdraw their money. and. Normally, you can just put in, you know, sell your crypto, put in the withdrawal form, and within 48 hours, you're going to have your money. And 48 hours, I would say, would be a long wait time. Right. Because usually, at least in today's time, you can have it pretty instantaneously, if not within hours. Maybe in 2017, that process wasn't quite as panned out. I mean, when crypto first started back in the day, it was hard to buy crypto. There wasn't all of these exchanges and apps on your phone that you could buy. You had to go to some shady sites to get it. So investors are trying to withdraw. They're not getting any response. They're emailing customer service, who's then telling them to open a trouble ticket 
then their treble tickets have an SLA or a you know service agreement time. They're not hearing back. Some of them are waiting months. So people are upset. The investors who have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars wrapped up in this are going online, going on Reddit, complaining about this, and even starting to file lawsuits. This is one of the things I heard that was that made their company unique is that it seems like other companies you would have to almost like apply to get your money out and theirs was supposed to be more like readily available. So the fact that once people started trying to pull their money and they didn't have these stipulations in place, this screwed them from the get-go. And they had what they're what we call third-party processors. And the only way I can explain this is if you go to, say, you know, McDonald's or Starbucks, when you pay for your coffee, their point of sales machine is probably owned by a third party who's going to process your credit card and do all those things. Well, they have third-party processors. One's called Crypto Capital. These processors take a fee also. But with all of this legal rambling going on, Quadrica is blaming their third-party processors and blaming some of the banks they use for the slowdown. This is just pointing the fingers and don't blame us. They also have uh, one of their fund holders is called Custodian, and they had, I think, $28 million in funds and Quadrica is saying, no, they're, they have our funds and we can't pay you until they pay us. Right. Now, let's go back for a second because back to these fake accounts, right? Did you see a breakdown on, on how they think that the company started kind of getting upside down? No. Go ahead and explain it. Yeah. So one of the things that they were doing is like, like we said, he's running the whole company from his laptop what we should say is before gary cotton gets involved i don't like calling him gary i'm going to call him gerald yeah that's fine old gerald cotton gets involved they did have some buildings they did have a few employees but once he got involved no offices no nothing just his laptop well he could go on in the middle of the night and just basically create like a fake thousand bitcoins and then he could start selling those to people and every time he's selling, you know, a hundred bucks here, 50 bucks here, their company's making money off those transactions. So he would do this and he actually created, I think multiple fake people. And I don't even know if his business partners knew he was doing this, but it reminds me of Shawshank Redemption. When you find out that Andy Dufresne created a fake guy and started funneling a bunch of money to that account. So, but then what happens is, if let's say we have a million dollars in in the pot and I start adding money that was never there and now people are buying that, eventually, if I keep doing that, once people go to take their money, there's not going to be enough money in the pot. You have to rob Peter to pay Paul. The question then becomes to me for, for these guys and and his, you know, Michael, his his business partner, why were they doing this? Because they were making millions just off transactions. Cryptocurrency is like David Copperfield, right? <laughs> it's like, it's magic. It's, you can't see it. You can't touch it. But it's so funny to me that these guys that are getting into these cryptocurrencies, like you were saying, Michael, for example, had a love of expensive cars. So they're using this fake entity, basically, and making money off this fake entity to buy actual material things. I just kind of find that a little ironic. Regardless of whether this business is legitimate or not, that's actually how a lot of places function. It's almost like fake it till you make it. Right. And, you know, if he can create fake Bitcoins to sell and dump them into the pool, I mean, that's just like the Federal Reserve just printing off more money. Uh, I mean, right. it's, it's not that different to me, but I could be off base there. Well, no, I still think it's hilarious that they're called the Federal Reserve. <laughs> they're not federal at all. There is Very federal clever as, name. <laughs> they're as federal as Federal Express. <laughs> exactly. At the time where these lawsuits and things are happening, his business partner, Michael, actually steps down 
and is just a shareholder in the company at that point. And Gerald is running the show. Gerald at this point has his long-term girlfriend, Jennifer Robertson. He thinks that this is a good time to marry Jennifer, make her the only employee listed at the company. They're going to honeymoon in India. They had their eye on like uh, sponsoring a orphanage for children in India. I think there was 12 kids at this orphanage and you know, that's nice. It's, you know, they're trying to be giving and uh, he walked in and he said, I'll buy all 12 children. Yeah. No, I'll take, <laughs> I'll take all 12. Uh, but they're trying to be philanthropists with their money and they get married. They plan this trip to India for their honeymoon and they're going to go there and adopt or, you know, sponsor this orphanage. Do you know when they got married? So they end up getting married June of 2018. I question that because right now the company appears to be in turmoil in legal turmoil with all of these lawsuits and the inability to pay off a lot of the investors. Yeah. But when things aren't going good in life, just get married. It fixes everything. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to honeymoon in India. Yeah, but here's what's weird though, is they get married in June. They're basically waiting till December to honeymoon. Yeah. Or are they or are they honeymooning for like months and months? <laughs> well, they uh, they wait a little bit, and you know, because you know, sometimes you have to save up money for that honeymoon, right? <laughs> yeah, when you're when you're running a billion dollar company off your MacBook, guess what? I'm going to go buy this weekend a MacBook. <laughs> I'm going to try to figure out how to start a billion dollar company. Yeah, who's with me? <laughs> One of the interesting things about this case, well, maybe not interesting is the right word, but maybe confusing. And maybe one of the reasons why people start questioning everything that you hear about Gerald Cotton is there's mixed reports. Just like we said, they got married in June, but they don't take their honeymoon till a few months later. And it doesn't, there's conflicting stories on when their honeymoon actually started and then there's conflicting stories on how many how many days was Gerald in India before he got sick and and went to the hospital. Some reports say a week, some reports say two days. Yeah, well, I found that he went with his wife, they checked in at the hotel, and they went to a fondue party or a fondue restaurant. Now I know Do you fondue? I don't fondue myself. I'm not the biggest fan. Uh, well, maybe you'd be a happier person if you did. Yeah. Dipping th things in cheese <laughs> always makes them better. Gerald Cotton was known to have Crohn's disease. Okay. Which is, I guess, uh, really bad I IBS. It causes you great gastrointestinal problems it, it's it's not something that we should take lightly it's not something that i i think oh it just had crohn's disease that was it but hey, look it could get very bad and and depending on their the type of flare-up that the individual would have you know i've had uh, family members and stuff that have been hospitalized because of it so it's, it's very it can be very serious i don't know how deadly it is. I don't know how many people will die from a flare-up. Gerald gets to India, and some reports say within 24 hours, he's not only gone to the hospital for a flare-up, but he's become septic and he dies from complications. Mm. You know, and I guess my whole problem is you know, if you think, okay, you have Crohn's disease, you're going to India, maybe you go to a street vendor and you order something that looks like meat on a stick. And I think that stuff's great, by the way. I love street vendors myself. I love taco trucks. But the whole stereotype is he ate something bad in India and that caused him this distress. But if we're going off the time frame of within two days of him arriving, did he even have time to eat anything? Or was this flare-up happening 
on the plane. Are you saying he he was doing a forty hour fast? <laughs> no. no, but you, I, I get what you're saying. It's like saying like I have a bad stomach, so when I go to Mexico, the first thing I do is drink a gallon of water. You know, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Uh, so it's it, yeah, it's very strange. Um, but here here's one of the things that, that I kind of wonder. His company's there's bad things happening in the company. There's illegal things now happening in the company. You are doing some of those illegal things. You're creating fake characters and selling money that doesn't exist on in your business. I wonder, because of the Crohn's disease, if he didn't also have like some ulcers and some other stuff that was going on due to stress. And th- that maybe possible. he wasn't aware of because he's feeling like certain types of pain and certain, but he's, he's, he's dismissing that as his Crohn's disease. It's very possible. I agree. I would be stressed out. Just the fact that I'm running the company off of a MacBook. <laughs> he's at this hospital. He is declared dead. His wife now organizes or, you know, sets up transport for his body to be transported, I guess, back to the hotel so they can find somebody to not really do an autopsy, but do embalming because they've already got the uh, diagnosis from the doctor at the hospital that he died from like acute gastrointestinal problems. Right. So they find an embalmer, they take his body there this embalmer says, hey, he didn't come directly from the hospital. He's been moved around. You didn't follow protocol. I'm not going to embalm him. So she takes his body back and they find a medical school, med students, to do the embalming of his body. This is India. Maybe there is protocols and procedures. There's language barriers. You know, Maybe this is legit. But it seems like there's a lot of paperwork and moving around of his body at this point before she's able to get him embalmed and then arrange transport for him to go back to Canada, to Nova Scotia, where they live. And the uh, 12 children at the orphanage, they're left high and dry. If I was one of those kids in that class, I'd go, you're a liar. It told me I was getting new shoes. Not- and that happens on December Eighth is when he goes to the hospital. Nobody knows he's dead. There's no announcements made, nothing for a month. Quadriga is still business as usual. People are still depositing money into it, still trying to do their exchanges, everything. They have no clue, but it's a month later that his wife posts, It's a sad day. My husband, Gerald Cotton, has passed away. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it 
absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Normally, cheers to the crispy colonel but uh i'm <laughs> cheersing to you and uh this is recorded before we went to the uk yes but i'm sure we're gonna have a couple drinks in the uk so i'm sure we will that's gonna be a fun time so let me try to wrap my head around all this they go to india they're there less than 48 hours he goes to the hospital that's not to me 
that doesn't seem crazy when you find out that he has Crohn's disease. Seems like something that's possible. But then he dies and they won't embalm the body and they have to do this loop around where they get some college students to do it or they actually (laughs) it was the little kids that they're trying to sponsor they're like we're going to have you embalm this body they ship the body back to canada and she doesn't tell any of his family members she just posts it online yeah gerald had parents right Have you seen any reports of them talking about his death? Not a lot. Trying to find anything about it for that month period of time between his actual death and her announcement. I didn't find anything. After that announcement, you can find some some quotes uh, and whatnot. But at that point, it's not exactly, it just doesn't seem to be known by anyone or reported by anyone i'm trying to play devil's advocate because i'm trying to go okay well if he's the only one really running the company and we announce now that he died and maybe look we don't even know at this point if she can get into his computer that is running the whole company well we'll get to that (laughs) we will get to that (laughs) i'm just saying that like yes it's a little fishy that she doesn't announce it for a month but you wonder is there some complications because he's running this business by himself where they didn't want to they maybe they didn't want a run on their server you know and and have all the money disappear yeah but one of the things i don't know if you want to get to this now but they were together for a long time years before they got married but before they went to india a few weeks before they went to india gerald changes his whole will yeah he's leaving a lot of his stuff to his wife uh they had two cute little chihuahuas he even leaves like it's reported that he leaves a hundred thousand dollars to the dogs do we know what the chihuahuas names are (laughs) no no well (laughs) nick would have known you can just imagine at this point this has caused complete and utter turmoil with the investors yeah and they're doubling down on coming after this company and trying to get their money. The Canada Revenue Agency and their security and policies uh, folks are now coming after this company. They're finding that a lot of these accounts were fake. They're finding that Gerald had communicated under false aliases to different organizations. They're finding that the hospital in India where he was declared dead, well, the chairman who ran that hospital had actually been convicted of fraud two months prior oh, surprise. to Gerald's death. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> My first question was, it, was it even a real hospital? I mean, I don't live there. I have never stepped foot in the place, but according to the documents, sure. It's a real hospital ran by fake doctors. This government agency comes after Jennifer and says, all right, you need to hand over his laptop. You need to hand over everything related to the company, including all the passwords and passphrases to access it. And what does Jennifer say? I don't have them. The, own, the sole owner and proprietor of this company who is delegated on, you know who is delegated all of his stuff to his wife, who is the only employee of the company. Right. He dies, and she doesn't have a single password. I have a hard time trusting people when I see that they have a password passcode on their phone. <laughs> like, what are you trying to hide? Why, do you, why does everybody in this world need a passcode? I wonder with this laptop, and this makes a difference if it's a MacBook or a MacBook Pro, because the MacBook Pro has like the finger identifier. So they could chop his finger off and she could like <laughs> carry that around on a keychain and use it to unlock the laptop. They find that he had made several transfers or deposits of money from 
the company to personal accounts ranging from $100 million to tens of millions of dollars right before his death. And it's said that his laptop alone had $250 million in crypto locked up on it. Jesus. Quarter trillion dollars. Now, he was buying some stuff. He, I don't think he was known to buy sports cars or anything like that, but he, he did buy some properties. And he bought a $600,000 yacht. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, like hey that's baller money right like, yeah i'm not really you know i'm just i'm just not really into cars i buy a yeah. yacht he didn't even know how to sail at the time of this purchase right he, he literally had to take sailing lessons you know normally when you teach your kid how to drive a stick you you, you let them figure it out on like a honda civic from you know the 1980s you you don't get them a Ferrari to figure out how to drive a stick. But here he is. He's got all the money in the world. He can do whatever. He buys a $600,000 yacht. Who does he think he is? Conor McGregor? <laughs> they find out that his wife, Jennifer Robinson, she's changed her name four times. Now, she had been married and divorced, so some of those name changes could be explained. But... How many times was Again, she married? This... <laughs> I mean, look, if you're married four times and you change your name four times, fine, right? Wasn't four times. But why are you just changing your na name for no reason? As we can assume, the Canadian uh, government and law, law enforcement is not happy with this. So they get search warrants and they raid his properties. They're able to recover some hard drives. They're able to recover some of the funds that were missing. Ernst and Young had uh, the ability to do you know, recovery on these drives and break some of the uh, encryptions, I guess. They found that an account for someone named Chris Marquet had transactions in excess of $220 million. That's a lot of money. But who is Chris Marquet? They Exactly. I mean, I know who he uh, is, but would you want to tell the <laughs> listeners who he is? Oh, go go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. So this is also Gerald. Yeah. This is an alias. And and so you said how, how repeat that number again. I just want that to sink in for everybody. In excess of two hundred and twenty million dollars of cryptocurrency. To a fake person. That is the richest fake person. I've ever, I've ever heard of. If you had a fake person, right, that you're going to give millions of dollars to, what would you name him? Do you have a name you'd go by, like Batman or the Captain, <laughs> TCG Captain, uh, just yeah. to get you? <laughs> and then I was arrested. Now I would, I would go by uh, Andy Kaufman. That would be perfect. And every now and then, when I'm at a bar, I'll say, uh, I like to say uh, when they go, "Well, what's your real name?" I say Andy Kaufman, or I'll say <laughs> um, Bond Scott. They find that he didn't do his personal property tax returns for 2014, 2015, or 2017. And in 2016, when he actually did file, he showed that he didn't make any profit. Well, in fairness, all, all that profit was going to his, his, the fake person he created. Then add insult to injury, they're able to recover some of these funds from these hard drives. But remember those third-party processors I was talking right. about? They're saying, hey, they still owe us money, and you need to give us any of those funds recovered. And those third-party processors are trying to recover those funds as opposed to those funds going back to the actual individuals, the investors. Now, what's, what's going on with his body? So... He was embalmed by medical students. He was sent back to Nova Scotia, and they buried him right away. Well, guess what? Give me a shovel. <laughs> Let's <laughs> dig up his dead bones and, and see what he has to say for himself. The investors are pressuring the government 
to exhume his body and do a DNA test. Yeah, there was a court hearing, I believe, last year or, or two years ago now. Um, the only thing I could find, and maybe you found something better than me, uh, it seemed as if whatever hearing that they had where it seemed like they were going to win the hearing pretty easily, but then that's been like delayed now because of COVID. So yeah. I, I don't know actually where the investors stand on the digging up the dead bones. Well, when there's over a quarter trillion dollars at hand, I'm sure they're not going to give up anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. It's sad that we, you know, this should be a simple, I wish the world worked like take any judge, right? Mm-hmm. And you go, look, what, what do we know for certain? We know that Gerald was scamming people out of his money. Therefore he was doing something illegal. Therefore he'd become a prisoner, right? So in a sense, he becomes property of the state. So I do not feel bad for him, his wife, or any of his family members that we're going to dig him up to get answers. You know, sometimes when they want to dig somebody up, I go, hey, hey, they, they didn't do anything wrong. We should stop, you know, especially these cases where it's like they dig up the body multiple times and do multiple autopsies. And it's like, by the third autopsy, it's like, can you even buy anything that the doctor is saying? Because at that point, the body is so mutilated. Mm -hmm. But in this case, we would know, is there, is there really a person there or is this guy off somewhere else? And then he becomes a fugitive. We talked about other partners in crime here like his uh his buddy michael uh yeah patron now he and michael claimed that they'd only known each other for about five years at the time that this happened so you know if you take they started the company in you know 2013 ish and then he dies in 2018 you know that's about a five-year time but as further investigations into this Michael guy goes, they find that Michael used to run a website that was the first kind of shady crypto exchange website. He created a website called Talk Gold, and Gerald, as a teenager, went and joined this website. That's where he met Michael. They would go on to create other sites. I think one was called SNS Investments. And this had a crypto, I guess, currency called Midas Gold. And it was run by a, I, I use bank with air quotes called Liberty Reserve. <laughs> and Liberty Reserve was allegedly ran by an American in Costa Rica who laundered money. So you take your drug money, you take your human trafficking money. Yes. You go to this website, you buy this Midas gold. Can you tell me that website again so I can write it down? (laughs) It's not there anymore. (laughs) So you're saying, so now what should I do with my drug money? So they go there and they buy this Midas gold, which then gets processed however through Liberty Reserve, who then would turn around, convert it back into fiat cash for a fee, hand it back to you, essentially laundering the money. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, now, Liberty Reserve- It's like real life didn't keep, Ozark, right? Yeah, exactly. But it's all digital online. Digital Reserve did not keep- any records of their clients, any kind of database so you could track who was buying this and withdrawing it. Yeah, I'm going to call my call my company Liberty Federal Financial Responsibly Conservative Reserve. <laughs> Liberty Reserve was reported to have over 5 million users and over 8 billion in assets. So this is uh 
So basically what you're saying is investigators have, have now figured out that they, they, this scheme, this was a scheme all along and that they yeah, because knew that they were going to like, no matter it's almost like they came up with this scheme and they didn't expect it to blow up and become somewhat legitimate. And it did. And that actually throws a wrench into their plan of just having a, a scam service. Because Quadriga, C, Quadriga CX was platformed on Liberty Reserve. Oh my God. Wow. Michael Patron. I don't know what his real name was because he was actually arrested for identity fraud as Omar Danani. What's with everybody changing their names? I just don't trust people that don't use their real name. You know, those <laughs> use your real name. Be honest, people. Says the captain. I, I have a boat. <laughs> I have a yacht. 600000 $600 million yacht. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> Gerald, which is using aliases, creating fake accounts, fake people. We have Michael, his partner, using aliases, creating fake individuals we have his wife that has changed her name multiple times some like like we said if you get married and divorced then you can you'll change your name there and, and you'll change your name coming back but it's still strange that she's changed her name multiple times i think that these investors are very justified in their complete and utter disbelief that gerald cotton has died but just one more detail for you. His name's Gerald Cotton. His last name is spelled C-O-T-T-E-N. On his death certificate, it's spelled C-O-T-T-A-N. He does have stomach issues. That's why I'm like, it's not impossible that, and with the stress that he, look, and I don't feel bad for him because he is the one that put the stress on him. I wouldn't put it past him that something bad happened or, or, or maybe he even like committed suicide. And for whatever reason, his wife is covering it up because if she, if he committed suicide, maybe she wouldn't get certain things. So I want to put it past him that the, the, the death is not real. I'm not saying it is real. I'm just saying it's possible. People die in their thirties. People die from stress related complications especially with somebody that has something look crohn's disease disease normally will not cause death but if you're super stressed out because you're creating fake people and you're creating fake money and you have millions and millions of dollars that are technically not real and millions and millions of dollars that you owe to people and you don't have the money to fund that because you just bought a giant yacht this can cause some stress issues so it's possible that he he could have died it's i'm leaning towards no he didn't the, i would but i would bet my crypt my cryptocurrency on the fact that he's still alive now what's interesting though is in this case as as opposed to so many other mysterious deaths or unexplained mysteries I think we're going to get answers to this because if they finally get a judge to sign off to have his body exhumed, we'll know. And at that point, it's either a, there's not going to be a body in that grave. B there'll be somebody else's body in that grave or nobody. Right. You think it's or, you, now. Yeah. Okay. Now, if we're going to bet cryptocurrency, I'm betting he's <laughs> not there, right? But I'm also betting that there's just mm -hmm. not a body. And here's where I think he's screwed up. I don't mind so much that the death certificate has like the name spelled wrong because he was in a different country. Here's what gets me. Because Gerald doesn't seem like a dumb guy. So so here's, no. here's my issue. And <laughs> this is the part that pulls me back. And now if you said, okay, you have to bet right? I would bet that he's not in that grave. 
But if you said, well, you don't have to bet all of the money, there's a 10%, 15% chance that I go, this is real. He actually died. Stress, whatever. And the proof is he could have been cremated, right? And I don't even know like how well like DNA tests work on ashes. So as long as I think you could get like human remains, you could come back and go, well, here it is. You think about how easy that would be. Yeah. Like what, why wasn't he cremated? Cause that would have cleared the slate here. Like he was buried. So there's still quote unquote evidence of his existence. If she would have had him cremated, we wouldn't really be having this conversation because I don't know if they could actually do. Well, but that's what I'm saying. They dig up the body. He's there. I think maybe that's the tell that, you know, and, and maybe his family would say, I don't know. I'm just saying like, it's not that, it's not that hard. For, I mean, we haven't, I mean, I've never sat around and thought about faking my death, my, but I'm going, Hey, you go to India, you die from this, uh, this stomach issues. You have me cremated, but because that didn't happen, like you said, there is evidence. So that, that is that, that little bit that goes, maybe this is just what happened. It's possible. I wonder if, uh, you know, his buddy, Michael, what if he had him killed? Yeah, but he would have to be in cahoots (laughs) with the wife, right? You would think. Unless it was a plan just gone horribly wrong, like I'm going to kill him and get all the crypto and then kill the wife and get the rest of the stuff or just right. get the crypto and take off. I don't know. I mean, there's there's some theories there of what could have happened. I'm more or less, he did this, he faked his own death and he took off. Or like you said, he actually died of natural causes like the official story says, but with the totality of evidence here, the totality of his just criminal behavior right. from a teenager on and every single person he engaged with and their shady behavior, I just, I can't accept that this is real because it would be the worst possible timing and the worst possible planning of getting married, going on a honeymoon in the middle of all of this and then dying right in the middle of it. It's like, what would the chances of but that But you're be? in agreement with me where you say the big mistake in this whole plan would be not to be cremated. And you, and I just Absolutely. wonder, maybe there is some kind of background with his family, with religious or whatever, that that wasn't an option in his plan. And I think that there'll be a manhunt for him on, on a scale that uh we've never seen before and I, if i was one of those you know multi-million maybe dollar you investors, are but you're just not telling us the truth <laughs> if justin's even your real name well if yeah if if i was you bet your ass i would be hiring some headhunters to go find him and there's so much more to this case. I mean, we tried to fit everything we could into, you know, an hour, but you can go down the rabbit hole. There is so many more details, so many more schemes, Ponzi schemes and and criminal acts that I just didn't even feel the need to mention because Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if they don't make some kind of documentary out of this cuz there's enough meat on the bones. To, to chew on this one for a long time. I would love to hear what your listeners think. <laughs> Did this guy die of natural causes? Or do you think he's uh, sitting on some beach sipping on uh, an expensive margarita? <laughs> yeah, so tell us your thoughts at truecrimegarage.com. Click on the blog and let us know what you think. Justin, it's always so great to hang out with you. Thanks so much for joining us here in the garage. And I look forward to hanging out in London with you. Awesome. It's been my honor. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you 
much for joining us here in the garage for everything true crime. Check out truecrimegarage.com and make sure you go and listen to Generation Y this week with Nick and Aaron or the Crispy Colonel and Aaron. And you can check Generation Y out wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next week, be good, be kind, and don't litter. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.